One of my most beloved sponsors has got to be Audible. I had an Audible account long before I thought about ever getting into podcasting. And Audible has an awesome gift for all of my listeners. And if you head over to audibletrial.com forward slash jryan, you're going to get a free audiobook on them and me. All you have to do is sign up for a free trial. And if you decide that Audible's not for you, and within 30 days, you can cancel. No harm, no file, you spend no money, and you get to keep that free audiobook. Audible has hundreds of thousands of books in their catalog read by world-renowned narrators. From New York Times bestsellers to the classics, they're all on Audible. So again, head on over to audibletrial.com forward slash jryan and pick up your free audiobook today. I bet you didn't know we had a merch store. That's right, we actually have merch. If you head on over to the description, the notes of this episode, there'll be a link there to the merch store, and you can head on over to the Mediocre Horseman store. From there, we have socks, we have hoodies, we have tanks, we have tees, and there's new designs coming out all the time. And the special this month is the Feral Appalachia shirt. 100% of the proceeds of that shirt are going to help feral horses in Appalachia. And 50% of everything else that's sold in the store are, is also going to go help feral horses in Appalachia through Feral Aaron as part of the Appalachia Legacy Initiative. So click the link in the description, head on over there, get something, help out some amazing horses, some amazing people, and uh, help me feed my horses for crying out loud. You are listening to Behind the Horse's Eyes on the Illiterate Podcast Network. And welcome back to another episode of Behind the Horse's Eyes. I am always your humble host, Mr. J. Ryan Chastain. A little bit of randomness today. Um, I decided to sit down and really just pour out a bunch of thoughts that I've been having recently. I had a big live uh, on social media last night on TikTok. Uh, A bunch of friends come by to hang out and talk. We had a huge number of people in the comments throwing out questions. Had some great conversations. Susan Peer... um, American Saddlebred Extraordinaire stopped by. It was a blast. Um, adult beverages were involved, a lot of them on all parties. So it did get interesting toward the end, and I eventually just had to cut myself off and and, and, and show myself out. With that said, though, it really got me thinking about a lot of things um, in the industry, especially debates and stuff, things that I didn't even know were debates. I had somebody asked me um, in the comment section last night uh, because they knew my my history with with barrel horses and wanted to know if I would help settle the debate for them. And I didn't even know this was a debate. And it was running bread versus cow bread horses. And I said, I, I, 
you know, this is kind of new to me. I, I know, you know, some people like cow bred horses and people like running bred horses um, for their specific needs. And there has been really good um, from both camps uh, in the history of of barrel racing, be it NBHA or be it rodeo. And then me, being being the horse history guy that I am, the first thing that popped in my head was this is a silly debate. If this is in fact a debate, like if, if the youngins are running around seriously, you know, de- debating this, what is better. You know, if you have a really good cow horse the, that's agile and fast, it gets that agility and speed from somewhere. And that means somewhere down the line, there's a running bred horse in there. I, I always use the AQH as, as an example. For every horse that's at the tip of the spear in the AQHA in the performance world, there is something running in the background. There's going to be a quarter horse race horse in there or a thoroughbred. It's just, I mean, that's that's just that's just reality. So when somebody asked me to, you know, to settle that debate, I'm like, that's a debate. I, I didn't know that was a debate, and I'm sure there's somebody out there going cowbred all the way, whatever. You know, you do you boo, but. To me, a cow horse that is agile and fast gets that agility and speed from running lines somewhere. And it also brings up another topic why certain breeds are just really versatile. You know, the American Quarter Horse is a very versatile breed. The Arab is is probably the supreme leader when it comes to versatility. Um, The Thoroughbred, the Warm Bloods, these are all very versatile horses and they're all performance-oriented horses. And I've, I've said from the beginning, like take the AQHA, um, for instance, that there's two types of quarter horse on this planet. There are foundation quarter horses, and then there are AQHA horses. And you can be foundation and AQHA. You can also be AQHA and be registered as a foundation horse. But at the end of the day, the AQHA is a performance horse registry. Are there cow horses there? Yes. Are there foundation horses there? Yes. But at the inception of that registry, that registry was predominantly made up of race horses. I mean, it, we, we, we can't deny that. And it has been performance through the years that has been the betterment of that breed. That's how that breed has evolved. It was the performance-oriented horses that provided the blood for all of these lines that we see today. Even a horse like Joe Hancock. Joe Hancock was raced. You know, we, we see a lot of cow horses out there today that have horses, you know, like Corona and um, Hell. Even like First Down Cash. You know, and these are these are cow horses. But somewhere down the line, somebody wanted some speed and they wanted some agility. I mean, performance-oriented quarter horses, that that is the American quarter horse today. You know, we, we look at prominent cow horse lines, and, and you come up with horses like Driftwood, who was a racehorse that went on to be a roping horse. Doc Barr was bred to be a racehorse. And was a lousy one. He, he won $95 and was given away, but is probably one of the most famous cow horse sires on the planet. All of these early, early rainers and cutters, all of their sires and grandsires were predominantly racehorses. 
it, it, there's no way around it. So why there's even a great debate on cow, you know, bread versus running bread. In the end, they're all performance bread. There is a little racehorse in all of them. There's a lot of racehorse, obviously, in the running bread. But the cow horses have a heavy dose from sire and dam on down the line of racehorse, too. Especially if they are American quarter horses, which is, in reality, what we're talking about here. You know, when, when people are, are talking about this, I always think about uh, hot rod pickup trucks. You know, you, you take, uh, pick whatever performance-oriented car you want. You know, let, let's, let's say a Corvette. <clears throat> and you take a Corvette's engine, and you put that engine into a Ford Ranger. Well, that's going to be a fast little Ford Ranger, but you're still going to be able to haul a few bells of hay with it, too. And to me, that's what the majority of these cowbred horses are today, is they're, you know, they're pickup trucks with with the heart of a Corvette. Yeah, we know the Corvette is fast. But you can make that little pickup truck fast, too, if you take the heart of the Corvette and transplant it in it. And in reality, that's all this is. So why is a debate? I, I don't know. That's my personal take on it. You, you, somebody might be seething out there going, ah, you know, he's an idiot, uh, whatever. Whatever. You, you guys argue amongst yourselves about it. That is my take on it. In, in reality, you're you're just taking from one and mixing it with another, and and yeah, you're going to get you're going to get different traits. Obviously, different traits do do matter. You know, if if some of these cow horses, they are more agile at times. But in in things like barrel racing, where I've seen thoroughbreds excel, I've seen Arabs excel, along with the American quarter horse, eh. You know, I mean, it, it's whatever. You know, the appendix used to rule the roost in barrel racing. The appendix is still a big part of barrel racing today. That's a good blend. It's a good mix. So, you know, just to say there's really a debate about cow horses versus running bread, you know, I don't know. It, it takes one to really make the other. It is what it is, folks. What really blows my mind, though, with a lot of this, it's specifically online debates. Like, you get in these comment sections, and, you know, you see something like, like the running bread versus uh, cow bread thing come up. And w- when you realize that both parties generally that are, are come to, um, not really blows, but really just lower themselves to the point that they're screaming through their computer monitors or their phones at a stranger, it 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 blows my mind. It it it, it people are so confident um, that their opinion is somehow fact. Like just because you're confident in an opinion doesn't make it a fact. You're allowed to have an opinion. There, there's there's I will defend someone's right to have an opinion. Now, I will, I will tell them straight up that I think your opinion sucks, but you can have that opinion. That is your right. It, it, you know, if you're, if you're religious, that's your God-given right. If you're not religious, that's your constitutional right if you're an American. 
it 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 baffles me. And you know, you see things like the uh, the feral horse debate. And yes, I will say feral horse because that's exactly what things like mustangs and Ashinkatig ponies and Cumberland Island horses and the horses of Appalachia is exactly what they are. They are feral horses. These are not wild animals. And you know, people want to say, well, they've been there hundreds of years. Well, the majority of them have not less than 100 years for the majority of these HMAs. Ex-U.S. Army remount horses, ranch horses that were managed in feral herds, all of this stuff. All of this stuff. You know, and and they're so against any type of intervention. So that's no. Do I do I agree with all the practices with roundups and all of that stuff? No, nobody's going to hundred percent agree with it. But instead of sitting here and just saying no, none of that, we're not going to do any of that. Let them live to their own devices so they can starve out on range and get hit by semi trucks on the interstate. Instead of using their brain power to argue with people about little things like that, and if they would actually come up with something useful, a way to actually be able to manage these herds you know these these uh organizations once you know raise tens of thousands hundreds of thousands of dollars a year a year to go adopt a handful of horses out of uh out of the the corrals and the majority of them that they are adopting are are, are pretty colorful i mean they're not they're not trying to adopt the thing that's going to be probably spending the majority of its life in the corral because it's got poor confirmation, it's skinny, it's older. No, 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 no. Don't go adopt that horse for $25. Get in, a, get in a bidding war with other, quote, rescues on a really flashy paint or a blue uh, or a gray and spend fifteen thousand dollars on a twenty-five dollar horse. Why, why, why don't you take that money? If you hate seeing roundups, and you hate seeing horses in corrals, why don't you take that money and set up a nonprofit that can work with the Bureau of Land Management on things like sterilization for mares? I mean, come on. There's other ways to do this. But no, a lot of these groups want to go out there and they want to and and they're so they're they're so hell-bent that they're doing good because they get this one horse. And then they, they're going to send it where? It's going to go to it's never going to be adopted out. It's going to go to something they call a sanctuary. And then they can all sit around and take pictures of it and go, we saved another. And then they can have a cocktail party and invite more people to come over so they can do fundraisers. And they're all going to look at the horse. And then they're going to raise more money so they can do it again the next online auction. And and the arguments and the attacks that they use, these it's almost like reading the ramblings of politicians. It it really is like like you they it, it's every little every little way that they can pull the heartstrings and a lot of it can be just outright lie and they'll roll it into a way that'll pull your heartstrings that you won't go research it not at all you know like Q 
cows and sheep are uh, are being pushed out on range, and and that's why the BLM are rounding up horses now. I mean, they don't they don't. You can look at the maps. You can go online and you can Google the maps of leased land from the government for cattle and HMAs, and you will see they 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 rarely overlap. They they rarely overlap. I mean. You know, so that's an easy one to debunk right there. But they'll they'll want to use that one a lot, and then they'll want to use, um, you know, th- these horses belong here. They're good for the land. You know, you you won't find a study anywhere by any university, any organization on the planet that's worth their salt that says feral horses are good for the environment. Look at Australia. Australia's done study after study after study for the Brumby. You know, universities here like Ohio State and Auburn and the University of Georgia have all done studies on feral horses here in the United States. And they all say the same thing. They all say they they spread invasive grasses, which is bad. They destroy water sources, which is bad. And they kill the grass that they graze on most of the time. And anybody who owns horses will tell you that if you put two horses on an acre... And then you put two cows on an acre. Just an acre. Which one is going to turn into a dry dirt lot first? Anybody that's ever grew up with cows and horses will tell you those horses will destroy that within a couple of weeks. It'll just be a dust bowl. And and they'll use argument, well, they were doing just fine before people got involved. Well, people were always involved with them. People had always kept the herds in check. Ranchers kept the herds in check. Native peoples kept the herds in check. They shot them. They ate them. They rounded them up and used them uh, as as stock horses. They were always they were always in check. I don't know. I don't know. Just just random thoughts of things that baffle me. You know, you've got actual rescues out there that are doing really good work and they're 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 flowing over with horses they they can barely afford to keep the lights on because we have it this social construct that it's bad to euthanize a, a perfectly healthy horse i mean if no one's adopting this horse get it out of the way I'm not a horse hater. I think everybody knows that. I'm not a horse hater. Or they're hanging on to a couple 35-year-old horses that are taking so many resources from a rescue that they could literally save, you know, 10 horses for the money that's going into this one horse, this 35-year-old horse. Why hasn't that horse been euthanized with dignity, buried, put a statue up, put a granite marker, something, and say, remember what we did for this horse. This is what we stand for. Make it a good thing. But no, 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 no. We'll, we'll continue to spend $25,000, $30,000 a year on a, on a couple of horses that you're literally having to coax to stay alive. That just that grinds my gears, and to me, it should not be a debate. It, it, it's common sense. It's common sense 
for me. I wouldn't let a 30-something-year-old horse that just literally had to stay drugged to exist live. I wouldn't. Where every step is a joint cracking. No, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to let that. I wouldn't want to live that way. I'm not going to expect an animal to live that way. In the wild, it would have went off and died. In a feral herd, it would have went off and died. Or another horse would have killed it. So, I guess, you know, we're supposed to feel better because some people want to play God. I, I don't I don't see it. I, I don't feel good about when I see it. I feel bad for the horse. I really do. I feel bad for the horse. You know, and, and another thing that seems to always be a debate and that irritates the hell out of me, too, is when I see people call another discipline or another sport abuse. When, quite honestly, their discipline or sport is, is really no better. And in some ways, can even be worse. Like when I see uh, someone pointing out... I'll use this as an example. When I see somebody talk about barrel racing or roping horses or anything in the Western world, and they go, that's abusive, that should be banned. And their profiles are full of videos of them show jumping. Are you just bunnied hop double rails? I mean, come on. Come on. You know, or, or the opposite. You know, I, I see someone calling high levels of dressage, you know, abuse. And they're spinning their horse on its hocks. I mean, come on. Really? I mean, pot, meat kettle. Like, these are things that, it's just, they're dumb. They're dumb debates. They're asinine. None of them ever made sense to me. But I guess it's just a good way for people to argue and vent and and get away from the real problems in their life. Is to just, I don't know, go around and and talk crap about things they, they have no business talking about. You know, they can pretend to be internet expert or pretend that they're taking the high road for some reason like that. I don't know. Are they gonna? Is there an internet brownie point system that I've completely missed out on this whole time? But I, I, I don't know. It's like horse slaughter, you know. You ask anybody who's anti horse slaughter, and they'll tell you, "Oh, the ride. It's so unhumane. Uh, the, the, they're in these trucks for for hours and days, going to Mexico and going to Canada, and that's the horrible part." And then you bring up the idea, "Well, let's open slaughter up here in the United States, so you know they don't have to go as far." And it, it's like you slap them in the face. I gave you a solution to the thing that you said is the biggest problem would slaughter. And you don't want to hear it. Like, at that point, it's no longer a debate. You have already made up your mind, and you have no le- legitimate explanation to why you've, you've come to that conclusion. So you make up something about... The ride, which the ride is horrible. That's why I am for opening slaughter up here in the U.S. It would also thin out a bunch of unwanted horses. It would alleviate the rescues. The rescues could deal in the business of rescuing adoptable horses. It's kind of like when I hear someone say, well, you've never been to a kill pen, and you look in those horses' eyes. Well, I've been to a slaughterhouse. I've looked in those cows' eyes, and I still eat steak. 
and so do most of these people too. I'm sure there's a handful of them that are vegans, but most of them are throwing burgers, hot dogs, and steaks on the grill when they're doing their fundraisers. You know, nobody gave a damn about the cow. Oh, well, the cow was raised for that. Well, you know, horses are livestock too. I mean, my horses are don't get treated like livestock. I'm not going to send my horses to slaughter. If you don't like it, I'll send yours. I, I, I don't know. This, those are just the things that just always go in circles. This is a big circle. And most of the people that argue for slaughter, half of them, they just get irritated, and then they just start spouting off. You know, and you're not helping your cause. And and those that are, are against slaughter, again, they want to throw up a bunch of talking points, and then when you give them things that could alleviate the things that they see as problems with the, the slaughter industry, they don't want to hear it. You know, it's the same that anyone that looks at a gated horse and just goes, abuse. I mean, no. I mean, horses are literally born gated. They pop out of the womb, you know, Paso Finos, uh, American Saddlebreds, Tennessee Walkers. Yeah, soaring was a thing. Um, it cast a, a a dark shadow for a very long time on an industry, but that was a while ago. You know, I have friends that are in that world, and they'll tell you right now, they won't even put a horse on the trailer to go show if it's if it scuffed its leg on something uh, around the hoof because they know it won't pass inspection. Like, really. It, it, that that's that's how deep these inspections are now and how serious they are about ending that practice you know i anytime anybody sees a saddlebred with its tail up they go oh it's been gingered or it's been snipped and i'm like i, I had one that was neither and that joker put that tail to the sky what about arabs uh, you know that they're not gingered or snipped i mean i'm sure there are some that are but it, hell i've owned arabs that would do it and uh they weren't gingered or snipped I've known them since they were foals. It, it baffles me. It, it, you know, you, you see the same thing with things like the 20% rule. You know, the 20% rule thinks U.S. Army for perpetuating that. And then you look at studies like Ohio State study. And I'm, I'm about to call out Ohio State. Uh, I, and I refuse to say the Ohio State University. That's dumb. Y'all know that's dumb. Get over it. Regardless, what Ohio State did, whenever, and it seems like it's always an Ohio State study. Whenever I'm researching something on horses, I always fall back, Ohio State, they do a lot of studies. And they always seem to start out the same way with horses. They want to take four to six horses that's been in rest for four to six months. You aren't proving a thing. You seriously took horses that are in no condition to be doing anything and running tests on them, especially something like the 20% rule. I let my horses sit that long and my little butt get on them and ride them for a little while. They're going to be tired. So, I mean, and, and I'm a buck 40 and 5'5". Five five, so, I mean, are, what have you what have you concluded there? But there's a, it's a 2008 or 2006, I can't remember, one of those years study from Ohio State that everybody always wants to pull. When they want to jump on that train that the 20% rule is concrete, you don't budge on it. It's a real thing. Uh, you know, you, you, it doesn't take much research to look at the 20% rule being kind of kind of skewed. For one, for if you don't know what the 20% rule is, it says that a horse should carry and can and have the ability to carry 20% of its weight or less. Uh, and you shouldn't go over that because it's detrimental to the horse. And it takes in 
no data as far as size of the horse, condition of the horse. And and that's the problem with a lot of these studies is these horses, in my opinion, are not in good condition to be doing a study like this with. But Ohio State seems to think that horses that have been rested on pasture for four to six months and then bring in and, and run a study like this that's going to stress horses. I mean, that's not... Those aren't controls. I mean, really. And But everybody wants to use that study, and they want to pull from that study. And even in that study, if you read all of the study, it says that horses' condition, horses' size, such as the width of a horse, because a wider horse supports weight better, they did better in the study. It also alleviates takes away things like rider's ability. Because a 150-pound person that's bouncing all over a saddle is just as bad for a horse as a 250-pound person that is poised with balance. If not, I think it's worse, quite honestly. A 150-pound person that's hitting every pressure point they can hit on a horse is a whole lot worse than a 250-pound person who is balanced. You know, and and you look at the history of the 20% rule, and it was the, the U.S. Army that helped perpetuate this in a, in a manual. And this manual was basically a way to give privates uh, an out of doing math. They didn't have to tape these horses and come up with a, a rough weight estimate and then load these horses a, accordingly. They just go 20%. They'd eyeball that horse and go, eh, about this weight here. And that's all they would do. That's all they would do. Instead of doing, I don't know, common sense, 20%, across the board, we're not going to take into consideration the build of these horses, this, that, and the other. This 20% based on the weight, uh, estimated weight of this horse. And, and we also, and, and the estimated weight is the key part, because again, these people are not in the field taping these horses, getting a, a, a close estimation on weight. They're eyeballing these horses. And then going, at eh, 20% of that, okay, yeah, that'll work. How many times do you think everything was a thousand pound or eight hundred pound? More likely eight hundred pound because these were small horses then, because this was nineteen twenty. A, a prime example of how small these horses were is look at a nineteen um, an M nineteen oh eight McClellan saddle, which was the calf saddle for that time period, and try to fit that to any modern horse. Jeez Louise. Them horses had to be narrow, narrow, narrow. And again, this is something that's stupid to debate. If your horse's opinion is the only opinion that matters, and if your horse does not have a problem with you, then nobody else should have a problem with you. You're not the uh, you're not the big girl police. Let her ride her pony. If her if her pony was irritated, her pony would let her know. And I hear people all the time talking about, well, horses hide pain well. Yeah, they do. Horses are also little assholes. So if they've had enough of something, they will surely let you know they've had enough of this. 
What are some other debates that just grind my gears? Oh, boots. Boots. Boots grind my gears. And it's something that should not be debated if somebody would just do a simple, simple Google search. Uh, but no, they want they want to stand in a comment section and they want to argue um, square toe, you know, versus a pointed toe, toe western boot. Um, you know, it, it just uh, so dumb. Everybody wants to say that that pointed toe roach killer is traditional. I mean, I guess if we're basing what is traditionally western off of actors in the 1930s and 40s then then yeah i guess that's traditional both we actually just do a search of photographs of boots from the 1880s 1890s you'll see the majority of them are like a square or a snip toe or a really blunt broad round toe very similar to like traditional english tall riding boots if you look at the toes of those boots you know why their boots hadn't changed very much, and they look just like the the, the cavalry boots that that it, you know uh, existed in the eighteen seventeen eighteen hundreds. You know their boots based off something you know just like the western boot. They're both they both come from something called the Wellington. D- do you know why their boots hadn't changed? Because they didn't have movies like westerns to perpetuate style, and the argument is. Is I always see people talk about somebody wearing a pair of square toe boots going, well, that's just a fashion fad. I mean, really? When the actual inception of the pointed toe boot was for fashion, and you want to call somebody wearing something that is a little bit more traditional a fashion fad. Why is this a debate when a simple Google search will give you all the answers you want? But people would literally get into a comment section and start name-calling strangers over their choice of footwear. Their choice of footwear. See, I have the same philosophy that Jared Morris. Jared Morris, the musician, farrier, cowboy, uh, great guy. Hope to have him on the show one day. Uh, he does a great show called uh, the Jared Morse uh, Vibe. You know, I'm uh, I'm in the same same train of thought as Jared Morris is, and Jared Morris' train of thought is, is why do I want to wear boots when, when I could wear tennis shoes? Or hey dudes. Yeah, I'll, I'll put on boots if I'm on a horse or I'm at work. Outside of that, like right now, I'm in the studio. I'm not wearing boots. Yeah, I'm wearing a collared plaid shirt, a pair of Wranglers. I have my hey dudes on. I have, why do I want to put boots on? I own, I don't know, probably 30 pairs of boots by about every manufacturer you can think. And that's no lie. Don't believe me? I'll take pictures and post them on my social media. Like I have, you know, NFR edition Justins, you know, that only a handful of people got. I have Boulets. I have Lucases. You know, I have cheap areas um, that have lasted me for years, by the way. I'd beat the shit out of those. I know a lot of people don't like them, but I've, I've had a pair of areas that have just held up. Eric Crossfires, particularly, is what they are. Super comfy, too. Um, you know, I have I have everything from what would be considered a blow-in boot to a super, you know, kind of high-end boot. And I choose to wear my Hey Dudes, my $50 Hey Dudes. Why? Because they're light, they're comfy. You know, if I don't want to wear socks, I don't have to. Is 
why is it even a debate that somebody wants to wear? I wouldn't care. You know, if I was at a rodeo and I saw a guy that was about to get on a bronc and he took a pair of Jordans off to put on his boots to go ride that bronc, I'd be impressed. I'd say that's the baddest dude here. Because he's got nothing to prove to nobody. I mean, why why is it even a debate? You know, I wear a lot of ball caps. I don't wear a cowboy hat a lot. Uh, I wore one the other day. I was doing some, some fence, you know, work. The sun was killing me. So I, I put on my sunglasses and my big Rodeo King straw. Yeah, I'm still in straw because it's in the 80s and 90s still here in the southeast. Um, yeah, it's another one of those things. It's social conscript, you know. Oh, you, you can't wear straw after Labor Day. Pfft. Okay. But, you know, I had my, my, my big wide brim on, my sunglasses, and my hey dudes out there working on fence. Okay. Do I need to turn in uh, my Western Rider card now? That, you know, every, every ribbon, every buckle, everything I've ever earned, that, where do I turn those into? You know, since, since you're just going to pull my card now. See how dumb that sounds? Like, it makes absolutely no sense. And it's one of the things that irritate me that you don't really see in the English world. See, I'm very I'm very fortunate that where I live at Aiken, South Carolina, we have a huge contingent of English riders. Uh, in fact, that's the majority of our riders take place, from dressage to cross-country to show jumping to fox hunters. Man, you na- combined driving, you name it, it it's, it's here. And it's fascinating to me. And you get to see all kind of lovely horses that you normally would not come in contact with. Lusitanos, Andalusians, uh, Warm Bloods off-the-track thoroughbreds that a lot of people they don't get to come in contact with in in other areas as often as, as I do. You know, I, I I saw Fjord the other day. Like, how many people, um, you know, just see a Fjord all the time? You know, it's like my third Fjord I've seen, you know, here in Aiken. Yeah, and we get everything else. We get appies. We get quarter horses. You know, we, we, get, we get all the normal stuff. Um... But I get to see all that. Plus, I get to see things like, you know, America's Saddlebrist, Tennessee Walkers, and Arabs, and Missouri Foxtrotters that, again, a lot of people don't get to see every day. Not saying you haven't ever seen one. But I, I can go down one road and point barns and go and tell you what they have. And, and it's like a zoo of horse breeds. It's nuts. But one of the things I've noticed, though, in, in their industry is they don't have a lot of the crap that we do in ours. You know, the the boot thing or the hat thing or I mean, yeah, I'm I'm pretty sure they I'm pretty sure they have some rules that they're pretty staunch with and I'm pretty sure there's buttholes that uh you know, are always gonna start something. But and, and they're toxic. Don't get me wrong, man. They they're as toxic as we are if not worse in some areas. But just a little penny any crap. That we see in the Western world. I don't see that in their world. The, the dark side doesn't do it like we do it. I mean, we will literally fight someone in a comment section because of what the toe of their boot looks like. Come on. 
like somebody sent me a, a TikTok video, and the guy's a comedian. He's, he's just trying to be funny, and I'm, I'm, I'll stop harping on the boot thing after this. But, and he's going. He goes, "What's your cowboy boots say about you?" You know, and he's going through different boots. Ah, oh, he's probably a good old fellow, hardworking. Da, 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 and they show another boot, and it's like if if you see a gal wearing this, you know, she she's like this, and she does this. Da, 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 da. Like I don't know this guy. He's funny though. He's really funny. He's got a great channel, a lot of followers. You know, and but he got to square toes. And he's like, yeah, and anybody wear these double-stitched, ugly things, da-da-da-da-da, and then made a joke about the size of their member. We'll leave it at that. And the first thing that popped my mind was, you know, I bet this guy thinks Wyatt Earp was a badass. I'd hate for him to look at pictures of Wyatt Earp's feet. I bet he worships the movie Tombstone. I would hate for him to see the footwear that Doc Holliday wore in real life. I wonder if he would tell them that they had little members. I always think that these are the same <clears throat> type of passive industry people. Like, they're, they're passively in the industry. They're on the outside looking in, but they want to be part of it. I, I always think that these are the type of passive people... That automatically assumes that uh, a horse is great if it's got secretariat, you know, in, in its background. You know, like it's great, great grandsire's secretariat, therefore that thing is gonna, that thing is gonna be blistering fast and knows nothing about secretariat's offspring or how the majority of race horses these days have secretariat in there and that really the only thing he's known for when it comes to breeding is brood mares. And I am a Big Red fan. Big Red Secretariat is one of my favorite race horses of all time, along with Sham, you know, the horse that ran neck and neck with him those years. See, they, everybody always forgets that there was another horse. He got overshadowed by Secretariat, but he was neck and neck for the Kentucky Derby. He was neck and neck all the way until the Belmont. And he broke his cannon bone and fell to last. And people don't want to talk about that under different circumstances and maybe a different jockey, that Secretariat would have been a footnote that year, and we'd be talking about the great Triple Crown winner, Sham. Now, that, there's nothing wrong with being passive, and there's nothing wrong with having an opinion. Again, I think Secretariat's one of the greatest horses of all time, and how I ended up on this rant here about Secretariat, I don't know. I think it's rant day on this show. The point of the matter is, is if you don't really know, and you're passive, don't be passionate. And if you are going to be passionate, and be passive, um... If somebody presents you with other information, just roll with it, man. There, there's no need. Just because, just because the the hypothetical balloon that you've blown up and, and, and put around yourself with what your opinion states that you think is fact gets popped. Don't blame the person that popped it. Blame yourself. It's like I saw a video today of a uh, young guy, uh, kind of famous in the ranch rodeo world, 
Uh, keyword is ranch rodeo. For those that don't know what ranch rodeo is, look it up. It's different than professional rodeo. At a ranch rodeo. Riding a bronc. And it's like, the video is just badass. Like, he's so chill, having a good time uh, in the shoot on this bronc. And there's like a hundred comments talking about, oh, two hands? Uh, I thought you were only supposed to do it with one hand. You know, and then some more from people that have obviously don't know which end money goes in and crap comes out of on a horse. You know, go, well, hell, I could do it with two hands if you gave me the opportunity. And, and the whole time in the back of my mind, I'm going, you don't know what ranch rodeo is, do you? You don't know what ranch broncs are. It's, it's not saddled bronc. He's not going to hang one hand up. It's different. And thirdly, no. No, Gavin from the cul-de-sac, you couldn't hold on to that horse with two hands and ride like he did. And if your name's Gavin and you're from the cul-de-sac, that, that was not an attack on you. I don't know who Gavin is. Point being is, if you don't know, why, why do you have an opinion? You're allowed to have an opinion, but when you get your perpetual pee-pee slapped by people who do know, don't get defensive. Okay, you got me. I didn't know that. My bad. No harm, no foul. I'm going to go back under my rock now. No, 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 no. you just want to argue. I think really that's what this episode is about, is people who get presented with information that is contrary to what they believe, and they get defensive about it instead of researching it. The internet has made a lot of tough guys and gals. Like a lot of people have what I call internet balls. They want to jump in comment sections on videos and yell at people that they don't know. Yell at complete strangers. And they would never actually do this in real life because they're fearful that somebody would punch them right in the gob. But on the internet, they can be. On the internet, they can be as bullish as they want. Because there's no... No repercussions. Nobody is going to come through their monitor and punch them in the nose. You know, I learned as a young kid in school that if you run your mouth to somebody, eventually they get enough of it and they will hit you in the face. I'm not here to promote violence at all. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is is the internet has taken that, it's taken it away. You don't have to worry about repercussions of your actions on the internet. Specifically, if you have no followership. You know, if you're not me, or you're not Sarah Waddell, or Coda Belk, or, or J.D. Mule Skinner. Now, J.D. doesn't give a damn. If you don't know who J.D. Mule Skinner is, look him up on TikTok. He don't give a damn. You can. He will give you his address, and he will meet you in the parking lot, and y'all will roll around in the rocks. I believe that about J.D. J.D. is J.D. is an example of the opposite. But for the rest of us, it's almost like these trolls know that we're, we're not going to get sideways or too far out of line because there's too much to lose. And to that extent, they're right, because I'm not, for one, I'm not going to lower myself to that, and I'm not going to put my followers through that. You know, I'm not going to turn my social media platforms into me uh, attacking people or defending myself in every video. 
It's not what I do. Every once in a while, I will put out a video, and I will always say, this is not my normal content, but I felt like I needed to address this. But I will not turn my content into me constantly having to defend myself or me constantly attacking other people. Looking at you, gal named after a city in North Carolina. You know, I live by a very simple philosophy, and that is be kind and do no harm. Be honest. Work hard if you can. And if you can't, find your way. And outside of that, leave other people the hell alone. If it doesn't directly affect you, leave other people alone. Feelings don't count. I'm sorry your feelings got hurt. Feelings aren't tangible. Your feelings are going to get hurt. In life, it, it's just going to happen. And if somebody goes out of their way to say something nasty, just brush it off. Do what I do. Do what everybody else does. Just, eh. Wow, I bet they're fun at parties. And leave it at that. You will be better for it. But if you're one of those people that are constantly running around just trolling folks, or if you're one of those people who are so adamant about wrong information, and you get corrected, don't get defensive. Let it roll, babe. Just let it roll. You don't even have to believe it. There is no rule on this planet, no law, and there's no nothing that says when you have been presented with a known fact that you have to believe it. You can live in as much ignorance as you want. But don't blame the person that gave you factual information for making you look stupid. You did that all on your own. So with that said, guys, thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of Behind the Horse's Eye. Something a little different this week. I uh, didn't have a guest lined up, to be quite honest with you. I didn't want a guest this week. Uh, I just wanted to vent a little bit. So, sorry you didn't get a three-hour episode about uh, off-the-track thoroughbreds and drunken stupors. But, uh, you know, you got about an hour of your boy just telling it like it is. Or at least the way I perceive it as it is. Because you know what? Just like everyone else, I'm probably wrong. Regardless, thank you again for listening. Uh, check out our sponsors. Uh, we've got merch up. There's a link in the description of this of this uh, this episode in the notes. Check it out. Find you something. Buy you something. Help feed my ponies. Y'all be good.